0: Welcome to the Rise Resolute Podcast. I'm Gina Meyer. I'm a doctor of physical therapy committed to empowering every woman to live a vibrant, fulfilling, experience-seeking, and healthy life. It is my pleasure today to have Lauren Grouse on the podcast. She is a former competitive and collegiate swimmer and marathon runner who's originally from New Jersey, and she's currently an open water marathoner swimmer um, in Texas. And I'm just super excited to hear about her journey and to chat more um, with her. So welcome, Lauren.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be
0: on. Absolutely. I'm super pumped for this conversation. So before we get into it, would you want to give the listeners just a little more background on you, Lauren, and who you are?
1: Yeah, I can absolutely do that. Um, I'll try to be brief. So yeah, my name is Lauren, and I'm originally from New Jersey. Um, I swam through college. Um, and after college, we moved to Texas, and I started running marathons. I did that for a few years. Um And became chronically injured due to overtraining and from my disease, which we'll talk about throughout this, which is endometriosis. Um, I wasn't really able to continue doing that. So within the last four-ish years ago, I got into open water swimming and found out that I really love it, enjoy being in the water, enjoy meeting other women and men, similar minded people. Um, So I started doing something called marathon open water swimming, which is basically any swim, channel crossing, circumnavigation that is at the distance of 10 kilometers or longer is, um, the definition of a marathon. swim. so that's what I've been doing the last few years. Uh, other than that, I am a dog mom to two adorable little Shih Tzu's and I live in Seabrook, which is right outside of Houston, Texas.
0: Love it. Oh my gosh. So I just want to make sure the listeners understand how incredibly, um, tenacious you have to be to do these swims out in this open water an open water swim you all is not is no joke and then a marathon distance um, is just insane so I saw Lauren um when she was posting recently um with some of our swims in Hawaii and was just blown away and impressed by you know her endurance and her grit so um yeah so I guess as we get into it why don't you tell us a little bit about your most recent swim Lauren
1: Um, yeah absolutely yeah So it's crazy. Absolutely crazy story. Um, I went to Maui to be specific. I think we left around August 25th and the weekend of the 27th, 28th, 29th, I believe, whatever that Friday through Sunday was, I did um, three channel crossings. So the first day was from Molokai to Lanai, which is measures somewhere between 9 and 13 miles just depending on the day with current and conditions and things like that i believe for us it ended up being 11.64 miles and took six hours and seven minutes to make that crossing day two on the saturday we went from maui to lanai so that also is in that same range For us, unfortunately, we had horrible conditions and got pushed off track due to current and everything. Our swim ended up being, I believe, 13.32 that day, and it took just under eight hours. (sighs) It was horrible. I'll come back to that one in a little bit. And then day three was the final leg of the triangle. So basically, it's making the Maui Triangle Swim. We went from Maui to Molokai, and that one ended up being, let me think, point. Two-ish. I forget exactly what it was. And it took seven hours and 19 minutes. So all said and done, it was slightly over 36 miles of swimming and 21 hours in the ocean.
0: Absolutely. So lots of
1: craziness with that. And we can talk about it as we go, but that's in general, what I went out there to do. Um, and you did it. It a real toll on my body and yeah. brain and mind. Yes, so I did yeah. it. I was one of three people to finish. Um, and I became the 29th person ever in history to complete all three of those channels. Really? So that was pretty exciting. I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. I just got to chill. That's amazing. That's
0: amazing. That's <laughs> amazing. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about what is involved when you're swimming that kind of a distance in the open water. I know, you know, you have nutrition needs. You Who is keeping yes. you on course? Yeah. You know, is salt water an issue? Do you have to, do you get sick from the salt water? Are you fine? Tell us a little bit more about those yeah, details.
1: Sure. There's a lot of, um, a lot to go into all that. So yeah, we can start with nutrition. Um, for these, any swim like this, that is over the 10 K distance, you are basically required by the sanctioning, um, people to have a kayak and, or a boat with you for safety reasons, for nutrition reasons, etc. So for this swim, I did it as a tandem, which means there were some days there was anywhere from three to six of us who started and we all had to basically swim together. So more or less swim the same speed and we were doing the crossings together. So we had one person on a kayak and three or four people as a crew on the boat. The boat is the one that is in charge of the GPS and the line and reading currents and all that kind of stuff. So to keep you on track, and they basically tell your kayaker uh, who is more guiding you, they'll say, okay, hey, we're going to shoot for, you know, the, this it's crazy, but like the fourth tree on Maui, if you can see that, you know, the fourth tree on the mountain range, that's our line right now. So your kayaker is kind of leading the group on that line toward whatever island or whatever it is you're doing. As for feeds and nutrition, most people do it, I would say, every 30 to 45 minutes, just depending on the person so we chose as a group to feed for this, these three days of swims, we chose to feed every 30 minutes since we knew they were all going to be super long and, tact and um, hard swims. So what we did is we had all our food sources. Some people had simple things like water and Gatorade. Um, some people had food like cookies or power bars or chews, things like that. And every 30 minutes we'd swim up to the boat and they'd tie our feeds slash water bottles whatever to like fishing line and then they throw them at you you have a minute or two to eat and drink to pee (laughs) if you need to go to the bathroom because that's a good time to get the pee out and all that and then we throw all the bottles back on the boat get back on the line with the kayaker and you start swimming again So that's basically how it works with um, guiding and feeding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: I mean, I just think it's it's incredible. Everything that goes into it. And before we started taping, I was talking about Diana Nyad and her amazing journey in swim. And that's how I knew about some of these things. Otherwise, I would have no idea. So that's why I wanted you to tell the listeners. Yeah, how crazy it is. And, you know, I think this is just such an amazing analogy for life. You know, you have this goal. You're going in a direction. You have a line. You have a plan. And sometimes those currents come in, right? And they sweep you off course. And you have to just keep going. Absolutely. So yeah, tell us about the day that there were tons of currents and the swim ended up being so much longer um, than yeah. you thought. What kind of mental skills did you draw on during that time, Lauren, or what did you use to get through? Yeah,
1: sure. That was that was a very, very difficult day for all parties involved. Um, so that was the day we were talking about is the out channel, which is day two when we swam in the direction we went from Maui to Lanai. Um, we supposed we were supposed to have basically a current neutral or no current swim with minimal minimal winds, I should say. So about the first two hours, we had we had great conditions. It was glass, so almost like swimming in a pool. Beautiful conditions, easy swimming. Unfortunately, there was a lot of jellyfish, but the swimming itself wasn't that bad. Around two two and a half hours in, we get you know a radio from the boat that the current basically had changed. Um, So we kind of had to just change our line and we started swimming more, I want to say, more toward the east because we knew we were going to get pushed towards the west. Um, At one point, we were told by our kayaker we had swam in place for 20 minutes. And then we swam parallel to the shore for an hour and fifteen minutes or something like that. Uh, so almost two uh, hours of swimming, and you can see it. You might have seen it um, on my Instagram. I posted the maps every day. It almost looks like an S. Oh, you can S. you can literally see where we were swimming in place slash parallel to the to the shore where we were making no progress. So I'm not gonna lie, that was very difficult for me mentally, because you think it's going to be a, you know, five, maybe six hour swim and you're not even halfway at that point and you're already at four hours. So you're no, you, at this point we knew it was going to be a seven or eight hour swim and we weren't even halfway at four hours. So it's mentally frustrating. Um, so for me, what I do, I had a group, like I said, so it was nice to have a few other people in the water with me to chat with when we would go for a feed or a water break or something. But for me personally, um, I think what kept me going is I took it in those 30 minute chunks that we talked about earlier. So I knew every 30 minutes I'd get a break. So Mm -hmm. I didn't think about four hours from now. I thought about 30 minutes from now. And you can, and the way I look at it is you can really do anything in 30 minute increments or whatever the increment is of whatever it is you're doing. So I'm like, okay, I only have to swim for 30, 30 more minutes and then I could go have some water and eat a cookie. Okay. And then we do that. And then I say, okay, I can do this again. I can swim for 30, 30 more minutes. And then I can take a break and talk to my friends for a couple minutes. So by looking forward to each 30 minute break, it makes a task or life. If it's a life thing that seems so insurmountable, it makes it so much more reasonable when you're just yeah. setting these short, short term, smaller goals instead of looking at, oh, my God, I still have to swim for four more hours or six more hours or whatever the case might be because we just didn't know. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how I got through it. Um, The hardest part that day, in addition to that, was we did have a shark encounter oh at my. about five and a half hours in. Ah, I was, was going to ask five. you about sharks. There were oh, five,
0: five. Oh, my gosh. It was
1: crazy. Um, I wasn't like scared or anything. We think they're Galapagos sharks just based on looking at them and talking about it after the swim. So I wasn't really scared when I saw there was two of them like swimming directly under us. And I just figured they were curious. Um, You know, we were in the middle of the ocean in Hawaii. Um, However, I was so busy looking at the two below us because I was kind of excited about it that I missed the other three. So apparently there were three more that approached us from behind and were super curious and, um, scared our I'll call her our our, like caboose swimmer it was the girl who was swimming like in the back of the pack of us there were five or six of us and she was like bringing up the rear and it scared her enough that she she had a snorkel on she took the snorkel off her head and was getting ready to you know hit them if we had to but fortunately it was just curiosity no if nothing happened and they you know this all happened in under 45 seconds and they swam away and that was the end of it but it was enough to upset two swimmers and cause one of the swimmers to pull out and get on the boat so you know nothing's wow. a guarantee when you have jellyfish and sharks and current and craziness all happening on the same day.
0: yeah, so that's totally. basically,
1: yeah, that was that day. The day two swim was the thirteen point three miles swim in almost eight hours. so.
0: Um, all right. I want to go back to a couple of things that you said, but, but the most pressing thing that I need to know right now is what is the plan when sharks come? Like, do they, would do they ever attack? If they do attack, you hit them with a snorkel. I mean, is there like a bigger plan? And that that? was just, yeah, that was just the by
1: chance Like (laughs) in marathon swimming, there are rules and you are not allowed to like wear a snorkel. You basically get cap goggles, bathing suit, period, sunscreen, you know, earplugs, basic stuff. So she was just kind of doing it for fun. And with her, her friend who was there and trying to do her first channel crossing. So she wasn't too concerned about, um, sanctioning and officiality or anything. So, yeah, so no. So my, my answer is no, you wouldn't normally have a snorkel or fins or anything to pull off to hit the shark with. That would not be the situation. She just, you know, had happened to have one in this case. Um, so there is an, I should say, an invention called a shark band uh-huh. spelled like shark bands with the z okay and basically they're not shocking the shark but what they do with most breeds except like great white is it interferes with their emf signal which is how they hunt so sharks are basically blind and they sense mostly with their nose and with this emf pulsing or i don't know i don't exactly understand the science but they can they have some kind of pulse emf signal so these shark bands are interfering with that signal so when they get close to you within i don't know six feet eight feet whatever it is they're getting this pulse emitted from the band so they think you're a whale or a boat or something that's really huge and that's basically what frightens them off like they don't want to attack a whale because they know that's bigger than them or a boat or something like that so it's basically messing with the way they hunt so that they are confused and they don't realize you're you know a human or a small person or whatever it is that could possibly be shark food or shark bait <laughs> so it worked one of the girls had one on and they swam away so we saw it work okay. in action this is amazing so that's information plan a yeah <laughs> so that's plan a plan b is you bail and get on the boat if yeah. they are coming at you yeah. so usually if the boat spots the shark first which happens a lot um they will keep an eye on it if it's like circling you or something and make sure it doesn't get close and it is not a direct danger if it gets close or becomes a direct danger they will call your swim and put you on a boat um this we saw them first because they were under us so the boat had no idea this was going on until we flagged it down but yeah, that's why yeah. you have a boat and all that. So Talk and, about
0: mental fortitude. it's I'll tell you. Yeah, it's um, risk. Okay, so a couple other things I wanted to go back to. Um, yeah. One that I want to highlight again, just because I think it's so awesome. And, you know, it's been said in many different ways, like the small steps towards the big goals, et cetera. But I really mm-hmm. like this thinking, like, you can do anything in small increments. Anything, you know? So if someone out there is listening right now and they feel like they're faced with something that's completely overwhelming, just break it down into the most basic increments. You know, whether it's an athletic endeavor or something else in life, I think is just so powerful to get us through things, right? Um, So I love that. And then the other thing you said that that kind of is a segue into the next um, topic of conversation is that um, nothing is a guarantee when you're out there. And it sounds like, especially with marathon swimming, you really have to start getting into a mindset where you're ex- almost expecting something unexpected to happen, you know, Correct. and you're preparing you're yourself. Right. Yeah. And you're opening yourself mm-hmm. and loosening up to th- about how things will go and, you know, kind of trusting and believing that you're going to be able to handle whatever comes. Um, so, um, along in that vein, tell us a little bit about some of the unexpected things that happened with your health, Lauren. I know that you've been yeah. through a long journey with endometriosis and I would love to just get out a little bit of awareness and um, some a plug for advocacy for people out there who might be experiencing something similar. So why don't you go into your story a little bit with the, with that, with your health side of things?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll back it up a little bit and kind of do the endometriosis talk first. So unfortunately, with my disease, I don't want to say it's the most, but I'm pretty sure it is the most underestimated, understudied, mis- miscommunicated disease out there. Most women go eight to 10 years without a diagnosis or with a incorrect diagnosis or simply being brushed off by their generic OBGYN, who actually knows nothing about the disease. Um, Most women who are suspected to have it or have it are basically told in other, in uh, no other better, no other way to say it is it's a bad period. You have to deal with it. Go on birth control. Too bad. That's basically what you're told. Right. Some women that have it very, very bad and or choose to not accept that as an answer and seek alternative care um, and have done research, we have learned that that is not the case. Endometriosis is actually a multisystemic disease that affects multiple organs throughout your body. I personally have had five surgeries for this disease. Um, It is as widespread as organs like my bowel, my cul-de-sac, my ovaries, uh, my rectum, so all kinds of organs in the pelvis outside of just the the sex organs for lack of a better word It has nothing to do with your period. Your period may be what causes the symptoms to be worse because when you're bleeding, the estrogen that the endometriosis cells uh, create themselves kind of gets aggravated and it causes them to bleed and cause pain. But it truly has nothing to do with your period. It's just these growths of endometrial-like tissue, not even endometrial tissue, that grow outside of the uterus and cause pain, cause um, organs to kind of attach themselves to other organs can cause all kinds of problems like infertility, to IBS, to Crohn's, to liver disorders. It's even been found on some women's diaphragms. It can cause all kinds of breathing and lung problems. What? And I also believe I read a study wow. recently in the brain. It was a corpse, and they were they were studying endometriosis, and they found it in the lesions in the brain. So it's something you're either born with or you get as exposure to dioxins or something like that. So there's still a lot up in the air about what actually causes it. Um, so it's crazy. It's a crazy disease. And I learned all this in the past couple years when I started questioning, you know, the, the, the nonsense doc, the nonsense answers you get from most doctors. Um, so fortunately, in my case, there are about 200 doctors in the entire world who specifically deal with endometriosis. And for me, there is one that lives in Houston or practices in Houston, I should say. So I was fortunate enough to get in with this doctor for the first time maybe two years ago now. And I was scheduled for my first surgery with him, which was, I believe, my fourth overall. And they do a technique called excision of endometriosis. So basically, they are cutting it out and looking for clean margins like they do with cancer patients. Because basically, endometriosis is cancer. It's just not cancerous. It's not going to kill you. But it's the same idea. It grows out of control, causes pain, all that kind of stuff. So that's the journey I've been on with that is trying to get well and get all my disease cut out so that I can kind of get my life back. Um, it has been a huge, to kind of tie it in with the sports thing, it has been a huge issue with me, um, with pain and my sports. So a lot of my recent problems, I've had a lot of pelvic pain. They're thinking there's something going on in my pelvis with either, uh, tissue regrowth or new disease that was missed before. And I've had two rounds of nerve blocks into my pelvis in the past couple months just to basically get me out of pain. Um, so that I could do the Hawaii swim we were just talking about. So for me, swimming is, is basically all I have. It's all I have left. I'm at a point where I can't work a, a real job because I can't be on my feet for more than a couple hours per day because it's, it's painful. Um, and I have surgery pretty much every six months. So it's kind of hard to get a job where you know you're going to be out. a month every six months because you're having a major surgery of your pelvis or from for your gi problems or for your endo or whatever it is because like i said earlier this is multi-systemic and it affects multiple multiple systems in the body so swimming is all i have and i basically do whatever it is i need to do treatment wise so that i can do these swims because it gives me joy it gives me happiness and it gives me the feeling that I'm actually accomplishing something and doing something great. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, I I think you're inspiring others too by, by doing these swims and, and, you know, accomplishing these things that are so amazing and knowing what you're going through pain wise with your body. So just in an advocacy type of way, tell women, I mean, it, what I'm hearing is that if you are having pain that the doctor, that your regular OBGYN is saying it's just a heavy period or whatever, and they're blowing off to, you know, what would be your advice to them, Lauren, just to take that next step yeah. and to, you know, be an advocate for themselves? Sure.
1: So the best resource out there, they it's it was a Facebook group, but now she has a website as well. It is called Nancy's Nook, and I believe her website is nancysnookendo.com, but if you just Google it, it'll come up. She is a retired RN who has been tireless, tirelessly been fighting endometriosis since herself and her case back in the 80s, and she created this whole Facebook group. It's basically a learning module, and she has hundreds and hundreds of documents where you can self-educate yourself on what the disease actually is, what the proper treatment for, is for it, and all that kind of stuff. And she has a list of all the doctors in the world who perform this particular surgery I was talking about earlier. Like I said, this was like a word of mouth thing. I didn't even know about this until 2019 Um, because most doctors, basically, most OBGYNs think they can treat it themselves with something like ablation and just burning it out. But that is not the case. So what I would say as an advocate is find Google, whatever you need to do, Nancy's Nook Endo, Nancy's Nook Endometriosis, and do the work, do the research, and find one of these specialists. They have six-month to one-year waiting lists to even get in to see them because they're so highly specialized, but it is worth it. Um, What an ablation does, which is just the burning, think of it like if you had weeds in a garden. So if you just basically pulled the weeds out with your hand and left the root, what's going to happen to the weed? It's going to grow back because you left the root. What excision does with these doctors is they go in and they would physically dig out the root of the weed so that it can't grow back because there's nothing there left in the ground. So that's essentially the best comparison I can give is you're actually removing all the lesions from the body from the root until you get clean margins versus just superficially burning them um, at the top where you're leaving disease behind. And if you leave disease behind, you're still going to have pain, you're still going to have symptoms and you're not going to get well. Right. So that's really the best thing you can do or just push a regular OBGYN to give you a referral to go to a specialist. Right. And I, it's just very sad in my opinion that this is not known information. You know, like this is something that I found out through somebody who found out through somebody who found out through somebody that this should be something that doctors are telling you. It's like if you had cancer, would you go to an oncologist? It's the same idea. You want to go right. to the doctors who treat the disease.
0: You know, and information like this can be incredibly empowering for women. So I'm so grateful that you're sharing it. And, you know, I would even extend that I'm a physical therapist and I see this Uh a lot in my profession as well, that people, people hear, well, you just have to deal with it or this is the end of the road or whatever. And um, you, you don't just have to deal with it. You need to keep pushing and get answers and see specialists who know what they're doing. Um, And so I I deal with that too. I mean, I think it can be, again, generalized to a lot of things in life and how we can't just kind of sit on our laurels and accept things as they are are if you know we're in pain or you know, on or whatever this, it is. Yeah, exactly. or whatever it yeah. is. If we're unhappy mm-hmm. or we're in a bad relationship or we're not like, we don't have a life that we love, we don't have to accept those things. We, ha- we need to stand up and fight against it. So um, I love it. And I hope that this falls on someone today who is listening and they will take action and potentially change their life um, by getting the treatment yes. that they need. So I hope so. Yeah. Anything we can do to help raise awareness is super important to me. So yeah. that's great. I love that. Thank you so much. A couple mm-hmm. more questions before we wrap sure. up. Um, One thing that I love to hear from athletes and, um, you know, especially someone with the grit and endurance that you have as a marathon swimmer, what is one thing you
1: would say, Lauren, that you prioritize in your life? This is crazy. Well, I guess it's not crazy. Um, The truth is my health and I know we've been talking about that, but I never really used to, I just kind of do whatever it was to please somebody else or to take care of somebody else or to go to work or whatever it was. But ever since I got this sick, And knowing that I want to do these swims and these adventures, my health is the number one priority at this point over all other things. And it has to be. You have to get to a point where you can self-love and self-appreciate and do something that is good and right for you and not worry about other people or what other people think.
0: Yeah. So that
1: for me is the, the priority at this at this stage in my life.
0: That's the priority. And so yeah, let's dig into that a little bit for people. Yeah. Okay. So prioritizing health. You know, if that's that's something, you know, we can say this, but let's talk a little bit more about what that means. Maybe what it means for you and what it might look like um, for anyone who is listening today. Because prioritizing your health means that sometimes it's going to be hard, right? You have to make nutrition choices and sleep choices, Correct. hydration. Yep. You know, even your mental health and the people you surround yourself with. Um, so tell me what that looks like for you for priority prioritizing your health. What are some yeah. the components of that for you, Lauren?
1: A lot of the things you were mentioning, we can actually talk about real quick. Yeah, I think number one, um, we can start with is nutrition. So with my particular disease, a lot of people find symptom relief, not cures, with doing an anti-inflammatory diet. So I played around with that for a while and have found cutting things like gluten, soy, um, legumes, some most dairy. Um, not having those items in my diet make a significant difference with my GI symptoms, with my nausea. So just by doing something like that and prioritizing that, or always asking a waitress at the wait at the restaurant, does this have soy in it, or something like that, is my number one thing for my personal for my personal health when it comes to nutrition. Number two is scheduling doctor's appointments, making the time for doctor's appointments, and pushing for them. So for example, I'm having a lot of colorectal issues, GI issues, because of my endo. And I fought to get this. I had an appointment today with a colorectal surgeon just to make sure that they were aware of my case and that he will be ready in the surgery room come December to remove any disease tissue of the rectum. Because I wanted an expert on my case who knows the rectum, who knows the colon, who knows those organs in the event my disease is that is widespread in those organs again. So just always advocating and fighting for your health. I called, you call, you call them all until you get the appointment or you email them and you just keep, you keep on it. You don't just let it slide because they don't get back to you or can't schedule you for six months or whatever it is. So those are my two big things. So the nutrition, the appointments, Um I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and the third one is just basically putting my sleep and everything related to wellness ahead of other people as well. I need to sleep 9 to 10 hours a night. That is me. I turn my phone off at 9 p.m. and sleep pretty much until 7 every day. I need That's how much sleep my body needs to fight this disease. So sleep is always a priority. Um, even when we travel, all three, all, I'll say two of the three things we just talked about are a priority. We go to the grocery store and I find foods we, I can eat so I don't have to rely on just restaurant food. So that I know I won't be sick when we're on vacation because I have foods in the hotel room that I can eat. And the same with the sleeping. It's all I go to bed when I'm tired and I wake up when I'm ready to wake up. Those Mm -hmm. things are just essential to my mental health, to my physical health, or else, you know, it would be really difficult to to do what I do every day if I wasn't feeling semi-normal. That's
0: right. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's really important for people to truly understand kind of the scope of what goes into taking care yeah. of yourself. And, you know, I had an interview on the podcast a long time ago and I always refer back to it. It was with Rebecca Stowe and we talk mm-hmm. about um, how when you identify what you need to do, um, whether it's whether it's your health or whatever it is that you're trying to work towards in life, you it might be overwhelming. It might look like it's going to be really hard But the beauty is that we can call ourselves to be better at every single thing that we do. Better at our nutrition, right? Better at our sleep. Better at the people we surround ourselves with. Better at making decisions that benefit, um, you know, our inner well-being and our health. I mean, and it's just... So rather than it being overwhelming, the fact that we have the opportunity... Have these resources, yes. Yes. Have the opportunity to, you know, be better every day about, you know, taking care of ourselves in this way. I think it's super powerful. So I want... any anyone who's hearing this and knows that you need to make a change to not feel overwhelmed and to know that it can be done. And that kind of comes full circle back to our small increments and just breaking things down. Absolutely, And
1: that's what I was just going to say. Just pick one thing to focus on today or tomorrow and just focus on, okay, you know what? I don't feel good. So I'm going to look at nutrition today, this week. Don't worry about, you know, problem X, Y, and Z. Just focus on problem A right now. That's right. And that's really the best way to attack things like Multi, multiple, systemic problems and stuff like that. And to comment on what you said earlier too, I think surrounding yourself with people who either understand or um, want to help is really important with whatever it is, if it's a disease or if it's mental health, whatever it is. Um, I personally have found joining, I don't want to say a support group, of finding a group of women. It's basically the Houston endometriosis women. So it's most of the women who have my disease, severe disease in the Houston area, we all have a Facebook group where we can ask each other questions on doctor referrals and medicine referrals and, you know, hey, what are what are you doing for nutrition that's helping? Or hey, you know, what are you doing for your sleep cycles that's helping? Or hey, did you get relief from seeing this doctor in conjunction with the the, the endometriosis doctor? Stuff like that. So I think finding women who truly, truly understand what you're going through is So key. yeah, So, so key. So many people don't, you
0: know? Yeah. And that's the aim of this podcast too, is just to put out how powerful connection can be. You're not alone, you know, get connected and take those steps. um, And it can make such a world of difference. I agree. Um, So before we wrap up, Lauren, I just, I want to give you the opportunity. If you have any other words of encouragement that you want to put out there um, for women who might be listening today, what would they be?
1: It... Kind of just to sum up everything we've talked about, is my biggest words of encouragement are that you can do this and you can succeed. Take it in the small steps. You know, if there's a million things that you need to do, just find one thing that is doable today and do that one thing today and don't worry about the rest. My biggest advice is don't give up, believe in yourself. And I think it's super important to always prioritize yourself above everything else, even if it seems selfish. If you're not internally happy, There's no way you can be happy externally as well.
0: That's so, so true. Awesome words of wisdom. And, you know, I just want to also say, from the outside, looking at you and your amazing, incredible accomplishments in the water, one would might never guess the struggles that you go through. And so I just want to reinforce that for listeners today too. What you see of someone on the outside, whether they're a marathon swimmer or a marathon runner, you never know the struggles that they face in their day to day and truly how gritty these women can be. So just give everyone the benefit of the doubt and give everyone grace because people are fighting battles that we don't know about, right? I know it's a cliche but um but it's, it's true it's yeah it's really true um lauren tell people how they can get connected with you or follow you if they're interested in learning more yeah
1: absolutely um i am more than welcome to talk to anybody i think the easiest way is my social media instagram platform um uh, my handle is swim so at swim s-w-i-m underscore lar l-a-u-r underscore run R-U-N. It is a play on my name. And since I used to be a runner, I thought it was funny, but now I that like I don't it. run, maybe I should drop <laughs> the run part and just be Swim Lar. But no, that's that's where the inspiration behind that handle came from.
0: Awesome. So yeah, that
1: would probably be the best way to um, get in touch with me. That's That would be fantastic. And I'm happy to answer any any questions about health or sports or anything.
0: I love it. Women empowerment
1: it doesn't yeah. matter.
0: Um, well, thank you so much again for chatting with us today. I really appreciate it. Or chatting with me today, I really appreciate it. Of
1: course, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to talk with me as well. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And listeners, thanks for coming on this ride with us. I
0: hope you got some new information and ideas and positivity, and that you um, feel more empowered to go out there and be in charge of your life. And you know, Lauren gave us so many good pieces of advice, but I'm going to leave you with this. Um, just remember that you can do anything if you break it down into small increments and also that nothing in life is a guarantee. So just start getting into that mindset where you expect something unexpected to happen and maybe out of the blue, that something miraculous will happen. Um, Let's expect, let's expect change and let's expect adversity and let's be ready for it. Listeners, we are so much stronger together. Let's lift each other up. Connected, we can rise.